Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. On this week's show, we're going to revisit a 2021 conversation we had with Ray Flores of Flores Concepts. We're going to discuss the impact and legacy of Monica Flynn and Carlota Flores and learn how these two female entrepreneurs have spanned 100 years and created tremendous culinary success. Today is March 26, 2023. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to University of Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org. Also available on your iPhone or Android with our very own Downtown Radio app. You can interact with us on Facebook and Instagram, and for more information on our show, our book, past episodes, or simply to contact us, head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org. And of course, you're always invited to listen to our podcast on all kinds of platforms, like Spotify, iTunes, or simply asking your smart speaker to play Life Along the Streetcar podcast. Well, my voice is starting to come back. Uh, last week was pretty rough. I appreciate you putting up with me and uh, hoping to, to rest it up even a little bit more because this weekend coming up uh, starting on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of next week, the 31st to the 2nd, we have the Tucson Folk Festival back in downtown for the 38th annual event. And no, I am not singing or performing, but I was asked again to MC, So I'll be an MC for the, the stage uh, I think on Church Street this year, and get to introduce all of these fabulous acts that are happening uh, on that stage in um, downtown Tucson. It takes place right there in the shadow of the Pima County Courthouse in Hockamay Plaza. They they block off that area there. They've got multiple stages and uh, celebrate all kinds of um, uh, folk music. And if you're wondering what folk music is, because I think. That's a, sometimes a hard to describe, but I can tell you that looking at the different bands, they've got, you know, what you might think of with bluegrass and blues, there's country, some jazz, uh, even some Celtic and Zydeco, plus some Latin music as well. Uh, things that are, um, you know, quite a, a wide variety of sounds at the Tucson Folk Festival. It's free to the public. And uh, head out, I think they have like five or six stages, and you can get all the information over at TucsonFolkFest.org. And of course, if you want to know a little bit more, we did have them on our show oh, a few years ago, I think. So you can head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org and just type in the search bar there, Tucson Folk Festival. It should bring up all the times we've covered it. But this year, uh, looking at it now, yeah, there's six stages with 125 live performances. They've got national, regional, local, all kinds of um, uh, activities going on, including in their annual songwriting competition and, and winners there. So... Uh, looking forward to being the MC for another year, and hopefully my uh, my voice has recovered enough to uh, to make it happen. And as we are wrapping up March, we've been celebrating women who've made Tucson fabulous. We've talked about um, all kinds of, uh, of strong women like Seal Peterson, Jessica Gonzalez, and today we're going to revisit a conversation we we had back in 2021. This was right before the Monica restaurant in downtown was was due to open. 
And we talked with the uh, the owner there, Ray Flores, about the uh, the restaurant, but really wanted to delve into its history because uh, it's part of that 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 El Charo family that started over a hundred years ago with Monica Flynn and has been carried for the last fifty plus years with Carlota Flores, and just two powerful women spanning a century, making things happen. And, and what's spun off from this is just tremendous. Uh, so we we had Ray on talk about all of their concepts and, and kind of this history. And, uh, you know, the impact of Carlota and Monica. But first of all, can you just tell us a little bit about Flora's concepts and, and kind of all the, all the things you've got going on just briefly? Uh, sure. So Flora's concepts uh, is really a management entity. The management entity that handles the business affairs of the units or the enterprises that we do, whether it be restaurants or catering companies or manufacturing concession work. You know, and, and the brand, the brand I think people are most familiar with is going to be El Charo. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment, but, but you've, I mean, in the last decade, you have just grown into so many different directions with, with some of these other concepts. Part of that growth was uh, obviously there's organic growth as we know in business. And then there's, there's strategic growth. And then some of it was, you know, in a, in a way, we had to diversify the brands um, because we learned a costly lesson when I came into the family business and, you know, right after college that we didn't own the federal trademark for El Charo. And we were getting approached by opportunities like in airports or other where they wanted our intellectual property and our story, but we couldn't in, in good faith license because we didn't own the federal trademark to El Charo. Despite being the oldest El Charo in the country, in the, uh, you know, my mom's great aunt, Arthea Monica, as we call her, was really kind of screwed around by a lot of people, uh, you know, of her contemporary, which, you know, her lawyers, her advisors or whatever, maybe lack thereof. She didn't get great counsel. She made mistakes, as a lot of small business people do, especially small business women at the time that was you know, a kind of an unheard of commodity to have a small business owned by a woman. I don't think they were just treated with a lot of respect and regard. And uh, she wasn't given good counsel. She, she never protected her intellectual property. And of course, that wasn't the big thing in the 20s or 30s or 40s. It probably took took flight more in the 50s, 60s and 70s as trademarking became more of a uh, legitimate way to protect your property. Um, but she didn't get her brand protected. And in the 70s, or late 60s, rather, uh, Alvis made a movie called Chadro. And Chadro was his, like, first legitimate non-singing movie, the only one he did sing in it, and it was kind of blew up a lot of places all of a sudden right around that time. And then there was the 70s movie icon Chadro, you know, the, the singer, songwriter, whatever she was. And the brand, all these El Charos opened up around the country. And in the mid-70s, a guy in uh, Michigan actually trademarked it. But unfortunately for everybody, including himself, the brand already existed in too many uh, uh, applications and the path to trademark and protection was, was really washed away. And the trademark office said, look, you know, there's not a lot of value to the trademark because it's used so many places and there, it predates so many things that would be hard to protect. Well, that taught me a lot about trademarking. And ever since then, we've been working hard to protect our intellectual property, develop brands like, like Cerveza's when I developed it, that I own the mark, a federal trademark for Carlota's Kitchen, federal trademark, Charo Steak, federal trademark, C. Charo, federal trademark. And this may seem like, well, 
it doesn't really matter if you're not expanding, but you know, when, when you get a company like an MGM that comes and knocks on your door and says, Hey, we love what you do. We'd like to use your product or work with you, but you don't have a clear path on your intellectual property. You can obviously, obviously it can close doors pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And that happens to a lot of small businesses. Um, you know, you look at what happened here with, uh, chopped, remember chopped when it was, uh, when it first opened and then they had to change the name to choice greens because they, they didn't own a clear path on the federal trademark. So you can imagine that could have been suicide had they expanded all around the country or, or, you know, had more than a couple stores like they did at the time. So, um, uh, something we learned and so, yeah, very familiar with El Charo, but Florida's concepts, the management entity, that's the kind of work it does. It, it, it organizes and, and legitimizes a lot of our creative efforts. And, and those creative efforts, like you said, they're, they're spreading. They're not just in Tucson anymore. I mean, you're in airports across the country. Did I hear you're, you're in the MGM Grand in Vegas? So we were in the MGM for the last uh, eight plus years. We just closed our MGM brand concept uh, this past weekend, uh, not by our choice necessarily. Often this is usually what happens in, in licensing or others. So we had a licensing relationship with you, with the MGM. Um, we had a great run. It was a lot of fun to be part of, but you know, we were, uh, we were back in an area in the MGM called the district and the district is uh, right. It, it, butts up against the MGM Grand Arena. Well, when they built T-Mobile Arena, all the big highline events that were typical to MGM Grand Arena moved over to T-Mobile. So they've, they had some issues with volumes back there. It was a really big restaurant and there was, you know, there was regime leadership changes and whatnot. And along the way, of course, then came COVID and they really kind of refined their, they, you know, Vegas is constantly reinventing itself. So mm -hmm. I think they're probably going to do something different. Um, that, but we came up with Echo specifically for that. And again, uh, own the trademark. So we will have the trademark back and we may bring back Echo in Vegas in a different arena somewhere in that market. Yeah, well, and here locally, I think some of the brands that might surprise people um, if they're not paying attention, uh, like Charo Vita, that is a completely uh, different concept than well, not completely different, but it's got a, it's got a different uh, uh, sort of narration with, with a, a plant-based um, largely plant-based menu uh, and Barrio Chara, the, the collaboration with Barrio Bread, which is just phenomenal. And uh, I mean, it just really shows the the depth and breadth of, of, uh, of all of the concepts that you've got going just in Tucson. Yes. You know, when you look at our friend, you know, Sam Fox and Sam and I go way back and, you know, Fox restaurant group, you know, if people don't realize it, but it was a Fox restaurant and it's still on Broadway. And that was his dad, one of his dad's original restaurant. So, um, you know, sometimes you apply a family name. We didn't really want to put Flores on restaurants. Necessarily. People knew us as Charo more than anything. So when, when we started looking at the restaurants, one of the things that came up was Charo could do almost anything. And, um, you know, we, my mom was known for making great uh, Italian food amongst our networks and friends. And we would do it for a lot of caterings and we would do turkey dinners for our friends and we do them right now we've got I think we've sold 100 turkey dinners for thanksgiving um because we've got great chefs and great we have a real appreciation for food the brand is chadro and when we put c chadro like yes you know c meaning yes yes chadro can do anything that we put our, our minds to and our hearts to and chadro vida came about i had i had uh battled cancer and i wanted to do a, a little bit of a healthier restaurant and work on plant-based eating as a as a focus but also create something where protein eaters could still eat the clean protein with it. Um, Barrio Charo, because we blended the culture of Don Guerra's famous, you know, an iconic Barrio bakery with our Charo recipes. Um, 
you know, Charro del Rey was something that was born from an opportunity next to Charro Steak, where there was a restaurant called the Del Rey in, in uh, California. We would eat at when we were kids. It was this amazing seafood restaurant where I first had lobster and oysters Rockefeller. And, you know, where I, where I really learned how to eat when I was a kid, when my uncle would take us there, he was a, he owned horse uh, racing horses. And, um, this is where the, all those guys would go to eat. And we brought back this kind of classic style of eating mixed in with El Charo. You know, we do escargot with carne seca on it. We do lobster, but, you know, stuffed with a tamale. And we wanted to add our charo-ness to this Del Rey legendary restaurant that we knew of. Um, and, you know, that's what we try to do. We try to put a little bit of Tucson, a little bit of charo in everything we do. And if, it, if it's... It makes the chadro cut. It has a chadro name. In the, in the case of the Monica, it's going to be different because it's not going to be a lot of Mexican food. But again, it has a heritage and lineage to the stuff that we grew up eating that has never made a menu, but is always delicious and ready now, I think, for prime time. That's Ray Flores. We're talking to him in 2021, just before the opening of the restaurant, the Monica, because we wanted to talk about the namesake, Monica Flynn. We're going to get into her story here in a few minutes just after the break. But I want to remind you that you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova. NMLS number 3087, VK number 0902429, Equal Housing Opportunity. And we're back to finish up that interview we have with Ray Flores of Flores Concepts talking about that 100 plus year span that El Charo has had an impact in our community, how his mom, Carlota Flores, and how the um, their, their aunt before that, T, uh, Monica Flynn, has really built this legacy. Well, let's let's talk about the Monica because that's the newest uh, creation that's going into the uh, the city park building downtown, um, and and that got uh, some nice press the other day in the, in the paper. But can you tell us a little bit about that concept because you're going to have uh, sort of a, a more rotating menu in there, aren't you? Or, or more uh, correct? Uh, it'll be a, correct. a little bit more variety. Well, I don't know how long you, I mean, you've been Tucson for a while, but there was a point back in the day where, uh, for instance, Rincon Market, you know, I grew up going to Rincon Market when it was really great. And uh, I remember eating, you know, you could go up there and you could have this great uh, mix of foods that was available to grab and eat right there. And then you could order off of a grill menu that was really great. They were making it all fresh out of these ingredients. And over the years, you know, it waned in food costs and challenges to labor and things make it harder for some of those concepts to have stuck around and, and, you know, people's dying, you know, uh, they, you know, their likes and their nuances change. You know, there was a day, uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, where, where cafeterias and buffets were, were amazing and, and those are gone, but, you know, um, I still think there's room for uh, a faster meal with really quality ingredients made that you don't have to always order at, from a, from a server or, you know, do you have to also build your own bowl or sandwich like as if you're a, a chef all of a sudden? I think there's an opportunity to put chef-designed, really high-quality ingredient foods in front of people in a faster format with a lower price point 
um, in a downtown setting like that, because we like, we got, you know, what, 15,000 people work downtown on a given day, uh, in that area, if not more. And where do they go for, you know, a really good roasted chicken and mashed potato, but without having to sit down, take that time when everyone's in a hurry or they want to eat at their desk or they want to take a tip for takeout. We wanted to deliver something like that. Um, along with, of course, some really great prepared grill recipes and other things. So the idea to bring Monica homestyle cooking into that format was where it started. And then we started thinking, well, this really needs to pay homage to Tucson's amazing culinary legacy, which is as, you know, as much as we're known for the wildcats, we're definitely known for our food if not even more so now. Um, so to bring other chefs involved was the concept where like, well, God, you know, it'd be really great to bring back, you know, some recipes that are long, long forgotten, maybe something from Donna Norton from Taffy Terracotta, maybe something from Janos or, maybe something from Daryl from Lotus Garden that was closed or, you know, people that had the pandemic either paid it off or something else caused them to not, you know, maybe they didn't have a, a legacy plan like what my mom's been blessed with, with having us, us be able to take over. So that's kind of what the Monica is going to represent. And, and, you know, I think that flexibility to change, we've got all these great chefs already in our team. I mean, I have some amazing chefs on our team right now that can knock out, I, you know, too much, quality food. That's why I'm probably gaining way too much, but, um, just really cool stuff. I just had a dessert tasting with, we just hired a guy named chef Miguel who was formerly at Cielo's and the guy's just a rock star. You know, he's really an up and comer. We hired him and then we hired chef Danny who was, you know, he opened the JW. He ran La Paloma. He's got huge food service background and understands uh, a lot of supply chain, which is another challenge in today's yeah. restaurant business environment. We got a, we got a killer chef in there and you know, he's backed up by guys who are already on our team like Gary or gals, like my chef Alba, who I have and chef Miriam. And of course, Carlota, you know, the, the, the grand dam of them all to just drive quality and innovation in the kitchen. But no matter what the Monica really great home style cooking available all the time at a reasonable price point. That's what we wanted want to deliver something downtown that wasn't too she-she, but felt like you're eating somewhere really nice. Yeah. And, and let's, let's talk, uh, I really want to delve into the namesake of that because I think Monica Flynn is a name in Tucson that has had so much, her legacy is so impactful. And yet a lot of folks don't fully understand, um, her connection to, to Tucson and to, to El Charo. I know you guys talk yeah. about it quite a bit, but I think it, it's also a reflection of what you said, being a female entrepreneur in the twenties, um, it, w- it was tough, but can you tell us about your Tia Monica? Well, if there was a debt, you know, you, there's this new word out there, you know, the same, you know, that uh, they used, you know, the boss babe or, you know, boss woman, or I'll, I won't use the other word, but they say boss blank. And, you know, I think she was one of the, the pioneers of that movement. Um, you know, my mom's been able to recently work alongside Chef Maria from Boca a little bit. And I think, you know, Maria has said it well, you know, like Carlota's opened the doors for people like Maria to come into. Well, Monica opened doors for a lot of people to come into and, and really also showed what when those doors open, what you have to worry about. And I think where Monica was a pioneer in what she did opening a restaurant, I think, unfortunately, her tale is also a pioneer of what to what to prevent and what not to let happen again. And urban renewal was one of them where, you know, city planners and and aggressive business people that were somewhat unethical did things to her that shouldn't be done anymore. should never be done again. And, you know, they, they took her building from her and paid her below market 
rates for what it was worth. And her, you know, when she got hit with capital gains, no one had calculated what that would mean. She was penniless after all these years of having this restaurant. She couldn't afford to move it um, when they kicked her out. And they promised her things and things that she didn't get properly documented. And, you know, like we talked about her trademarking woes with her name, but, you know, immediately after them claiming eminent domain and, and, and condemning her building, that they were supposed to blade for a big development in La Posita, which has now been knocked down and rightfully replaced by an apartment named the Flynn. Um, you know, they, they said they were going to, Hey, we're, you're out. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to put a restaurant in here. Here's your money. Go away. This is going to be another type of development. We're making, we're building the TCC. Well, then they come back and they actually didn't knock the building down. They actually rented it to a friend of one of the developers who had a Greek restaurant in there. And then they, because he was failing, they marketed the Greek restaurant as blah, 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 whatever it was at the El Charo building. So then she had to sue. Um, and Hal Cole, who was an legendary old attorney in town, had to go and demand the city and, and these developers stop using the El Charo name to identify that building. After all that, they like it was like insult to injury to call the building the El Charo building to market their, their friend's Greek restaurant. Yeah, and, that- you know, I mean those kind of stories will always motivate someone like me because I've always said like, now you got to deal with me (laughs) and I'm not the kind of person that you're going to get one over on, on that because I've done my homework and I, I enlist the better counsels of America, you know, that we have available to us in this market because it is, you know, business can be very dog eat dog as we know. And I think unfortunately Monica's tale of what happened to her wasn't just that she came, you know, this young woman who came here and, with her father and opened up this restaurant while he was out building the cathedral and doing all this stuff in, in his, in his career. But it was also how her, how her, how her legacy almost ended abruptly. And then, you know, the second phase, which is there's two of these two women, right? Monica and Carlota, both each equally, you know, have had a 50 year run because my mom's now approaching her 50th year and running this business. Um, who would have thunk it right. That the math worked out that way. Uh, but what's interesting is when my mom came in, my mom actually was in California. Monica had actually been moved to California by the family to go into hospice. And because my mom was the younger one in the family of the, of the older women that were involved, she was to move here. She was to come here rather to help settle the affairs and close the business down. It was fledgling. They couldn't figure out what to do with it. It was in between the two locations. My mom came here with my dad left me at home and my brother, we were just, you know, one and two years old, respectfully. And she came in for a week and they were going to shut the business down. She came in, she walked in the building. She's like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't end this. I grew up in this thing. I, I, I think we can make this thing work. And she decided to go back to the family and negotiate terms where she paid off the family. Although she was one third of the uh, inheritors, she decided she was going to buy it from the other two. And then she moved back here with my brother and I, very young, my sister hadn't been born and she took over a bankrupt business in, you know, in real shambles. Right. And turned it into what El Charo is known for today. Wow. So yeah. it really is two women that just, I don't know, the kind of cojones they have that they exist in too many people. I mean, it's, um, I, I can remember many times where, you know, my mom's line of credit was pulled and she put everything on her visa or MasterCard or, you know, took a second out on their home to, to keep the business going, you know, Tucson was a different market, you know, the last, you know, 50 years up until maybe 
five, 10 years ago. I mean, our summers were so brutal here. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody could make it during the summers and every restaurant had to go and, you know, they used to call credit card their summer. Um, everybody that's, that knows those, those woes can remember where you couldn't do any business in the summer. Everyone left. There was no business here. Um, and now that's, you know, that's gotten better as we've gotten more density and, and people stick around more. And so. Well, it's a great testament to the, um, I think the legacy of, of those in Tucson, you know, this started with 50 years for 1922 with Monica Flynn picked up by your mom, Carlota Flores and brought us to the next 50 years. And I can only imagine what you and, and your family are going to do over the next 50 years with this concept. Right. It's well, a- it's, um, it's huge shoes to fill. I don't know if I can fill them like those two women. And, um, I definitely need a lot more support than they, than they got, but, um, we have a, you know, there's a fire in us that belongs to Tucson. We belong to Tucson. Uh, I remember when I came into the restaurant, I was going to take over or start working on the takeover plan. And I talked to somebody, they're like, oh, move your company to Phoenix. You'll never work there. And I just refused to do it. I was like, no, I'm going to stay here. That's what Monica and Carlota did. And I'm going to stay here. We're going to build it from here. So well, appreciate people like you who do the same in your businesses and what you guys do, because all this stuff takes time. People think people do this for to get rich. You guys do this kind of stuff because you want to tell the story because that's what makes us special. And that's what people come to move here and why they want to do business with us. Well, I'm looking forward to the hundredth year anniversary at El Charo and uh, all the festivities are going to surround that. Ray, I appreciate your time and, uh, and I can't wait to get into uh, the Monica and uh, continue supporting uh, these wonderful restaurants you and your team have developed around Tucson. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. All right. Have a great day. That was Ray Flores of Flores Concepts just before the opening in 2021 of the Monica namesake of Monica Flynn, who started the El Charo Cafe in 1922. And along with her and, and Carlota Flores have had a hundred years worth of success here in Tucson. My name is Tom Heath and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. VK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. Well, thanks again to Ray Flores, and um, you know, the, always appreciate people that take time to, to come on the show. And if there's topics we should be covering, hit us up on Facebook and Instagram. Let us know all about them. Well, he mentioned uh, in his interview the Boss Babe, so we're going to leave you with music today uh, from a 2022 EP from Mosh Party, and it's called Boss Babe. My name is Tom Heath. Hope you have a great week, and tune in next Sunday for more life along the streetcar.